portions of the show may be previously recorded. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. And to do that, you need to be aware of your surroundings. And that's not to say that what occurs in your surroundings will dictate your outcome. It just dictates what kind of plan you need to have to approach the surroundings that you're living in at the time. So today, I've got a little article here. Actually, it was a live interview that I just took some notes from. And the guy they were interviewing was the head of the National Association of Home Builders. And his first comment was, you realize that there's a recession that's imminent, it's just right there, about ready to happen. And the second point he makes is that housing leads and has always led in every recession, leads into the recession, and housing leads out of the recession when we finally come out of them. In other words, housing is the number one purchase that everybody in the country has to have. You have to have a place to live, right? So it is the largest indicator, according to him, of whether or not we're going into a recession. His position at this time is that everything's pointing towards recession. Now, understand, if you're watching TV right now, that all of the Democratic stations, which is almost all of them, <laughs> whatever, anything that's got an alphabet to it is democratically controlled. It's not real news. It's stuff they put together that they want you to believe so they can keep the Democrats in power. The Democrats themselves, which are in power, have the power to control the national message that comes out of the White House and out of the Congress, and they don't want there to be a recession. In fact, they keep calling it the big R. They don't want the word, the big R word, recession, to come out. And they're doing everything they can, even redefining what a recession is, renaming what a recession is, whatever they can do, so you don't get the big R. Now, one of the points that was brought up that was actually pretty uh, astute, I thought, uh, and again, it was by a Democratic-based, uh, you know, left-based speaker, and he said, you know, one of the things is you can talk yourself into a recession. If you hear on TV over and over and over again there is a recession, you'll start acting like there's a recession, which means you'll pull back on your buying, pull back on your planning, and sort of sit on the sidelines and wait and see. I actually believe that that's a, an honest statement, a true statement, uh, that you can talk yourself into a recession. And so, Dell, why are you here talking us into a recession? Because real estate investors make three times more money during a recession than they do during regular times. In fact, during a recession is when I've made most of my money in real estate, the largest amounts of it have been made, and I'm talking about in big chunk money, uh, has been made during recessions when the marketplace is just awry. And when everything's messed up and you've got people that are not messed up with it, they have the ability to step in and buy. So why is this guy saying 
the recession is here. Number one, the builders are starting to hold back their decision to break ground. They are slowing their building process. They have stopped building spec homes almost completely. Uh, spec home for you, don't know what it means. It's short for speculation home, where they pay for them out of their own pocket with a bank loan, of course, and build these homes that don't have buyers yet. And then they're, they're pretty sure that after they build out this subdivision or build out these homes here and there on a lot here and there, whatever they do, uh, that they can sell them. So they're taking the risk of having their money invested in the house besides their labor and so forth. That's come to a grinding halt, according to this guy. Um, the builders can't take that risk of putting stuff down on the ground that won't sell. And it's happened before in other recessions where they've done that. They've built and built and built, and then they had all this stuff on the ground. And not only could they not sell it, because they couldn't sell it, it dilapidated, was overrun by vagrants, and they lost everything. So they're very leery right now about putting stuff on the ground that they can't sell. Number two, interest rates are making it difficult to sell. So if they were to put stuff down on the ground, it's becoming more difficult to sell those assets. In addition to the fact that because interest rates are going up, prices are being forced to come down because people don't qualify and or in commercial real estate, the deals don't qualify with the interest rates as high as they are. So in other words, if the deal doesn't qualify or you don't qualify, the only way you can qualify is to get a deal that's a lower price. And so the prices have to come down. Who's taking that hit? The builders or the sellers. So this is now a buyer's market, and the builders and the sellers are going to have to take a haircut to sell these properties. Now, your broker doesn't want you, the real estate broker doesn't want to admit this because they're listing the properties for the sellers. They're working for the sellers. So they're going to tell you this is all BS. It's not. Uh, I just bought a property. I just, I'm going into contract on it probably today or tomorrow, but I just made the offer, got the offer accepted, letter of intent. And the reduction is, uh, I was looking at it 10% below uh, what they were offering for the property just a month ago. And it was 20% below what the property would have sold for six months ago. So there is a reduction. Whether people want to admit it or not, the prices are going down, right? So in my particular case, the guy listed it at about, I would say, uh, a good 5 to 10% below where the price was the day he started building it. It was built, completed. He put it on the market. He raised his price up from what he was originally going to ask. And then I came in and offered even less. And because the seller knew that, hey, I've got this stuff sitting on the ground here that I built, very likely that the prices are going to go even lower as of tomorrow because of the interest rates going to, Fed's going to, at the end of the month, raise the interest rate again. I'll take this lower offer just to get this thing off my books and, and get out from in front of this train coming at me. And that's the beautiful thing about real estate. It's not a bullet like the stock market. The stock market is you wake up, they shot you in the head, and you've lost all your money, 40%. But with the real estate, you can see it coming. And this train is a coming, coming down the tracks right now, buddy. And builders and sellers are starting to back off. Brokers won't tell you that, though, because they don't want you to negotiate. But they are, 
realizing it's going to happen. Number three, uh, there's less buyer's interest with the interest rates being high. So not just is it harder to qualify, there's less people even considering it just because of that. Uh, number four is construction costs, supply chain problems. The cost of materials has gone through the ceiling with this inflation and with the supply chain problems. And so these homes are not only needing to sell for a lower price, they're being built at a higher price. And throw on top of it the last one, labor shortages, they can't sometimes even get the labor they need to build these things. So it's becoming a massive problem with the labor shortages. As of right now, according to what this guy was saying, this uh, guy was head of the National Association of Home Builders, said contracts are falling out left and right because builders generally have in their contract a built-in overage clause. So if the price of the materials goes up too high, the buyer is forced to eat that increase. The bid was based on what the materials were available for at the time of the bid, and if the materials go up more than a certain amount, then the buyer has to pay that extra price. Or they have the right to back out of the deal. At this point, the guy's saying contracts are being broken every day. People are backing out of these deals every day. What do we have here, my friends? We have a recession. And what does that mean for us? It means wonderful things for us as a real estate investor, meaning that as we go into recession, People start getting tight. People that are not in good situations have to make drastic decisions, and many of those drastic decisions to sell their real estate at a discount and gives us the opportunity to go in there and pick up the real estate for a good price, turn it around, and make just a tremendous amount of money with those investments. So we're looking forward to this. If you're out there right now and you don't know how to do what we're doing and you don't know that this is the best opportunity for yourself, you need to get down to one of our free seminars. Get in there, listen to it, get your arms around what's going to happen and how you're going to be able to take advantage of it. This is not the time to sit on the sidelines. Uh, I get people telling me all the time, hey, Dell, I've been listening to you for three years, four years, five years, six. Don't, don't do it, guys. Get in there right now. Make this the day, the place, the time to get it done. That's what it comes down to. You need to do it. Moving on, I had a gentleman send me an email uh, and asked me a question that really led me to a whole lineage of thought that I wanted to get out to you today. The, the uh, email was uh, stated like this. If you don't mind me asking, how did you arrive at the concept, best product, best price? It sounds like one of the Jesus teachings of right belief, right action. It is tied to the Christian concept of orthodoxy, our beliefs, and orthopraxy, our actions. These two things seem to be in a constant state of wrestling inside many of us. Our beliefs may take us places that are lofty, but our actions reveal that we are frozen in here now. Uh, I'm sorry. I wish it was that holistic or that religious or um, that moralistic or whatever, but it really was just business sense, business practice, business theory. It was based on the fear 
that everybody has when they first start out that you can't rent your product. Now, I started in 1987. There was a massive recession. They had just had the um, uh, stock market crash. People had lost a lot of money. Real estate was vacant everywhere. They had the RTC, $800 billion worth of lost real estate was bought by the government. And it was sitting out there vacant, boarded up in many cases. So to think that you could actually rent something to somebody was kind of a weird thought that almost no one believed could happen. So I came up with this concept that was this simple. It was best product, best price. Now, because I'm going to redefine that statement for you later in the show, I'm going to change that statement right now to read best product and best price. My theory being that if you want a good tenant, and by the way, in real estate, the only thing that counts is a good tenant. Having a tenant means nothing in real estate. Having a tenant that tears up your home, destroys your asset, makes you lose money. Having a tenant that won't pay you rent makes you lose money. Having a bad tenant is worse than having no tenant. So you need to have a good tenant. And... The key to that is getting good people to want your asset, to want your home or your apartment complex. And that was my theory. I wanted to put out there a product that was the best product out there and at the best price so that if they were out there looking and they were looking for clean, functional housing, and that's another key set of words that went with this whole system, clean functional housing. Uh, I incorporated that term into my theory, and clean functional housing means that the house had what it was supposed to have in it and that everything that was in it was working and clean. So basic of a thought process. It was just what it should be. And I had this theory that there were subdivisions. There were, B, there were D sub, well, A-class subdivisions, B-class subdivisions, C-class subdivisions, and no-class at all subdivisions. And that whatever subdivision you were in as a house or whatever apartment complex neighborhood you were in as an apartment complex, that's the clientele that lived in that area. And you can't bring clientele into another area. You can't get Class A people to go live in a Class C neighborhood. It's not going to happen. So if you overbuild your properties, and a lot of people, as many people overbuild their properties as underbuild them. You know, as many slumlords as there are, in fact, many slumlords are slumlords because they made the mistake up front of putting tens of thousands of dollars into this home and renovating it like they were going to live in it themselves. I always hear that. I, would, I don't believe in what Dell says. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, that's a mistake. Because these people will live in something you wouldn't live in. And if they lived in what you lived in, they would destroy it. And you will lose all your money. And that's exactly what many people do. And then they get that attitude of them's people. I call it the them's people attitude. As you, you know, them's people will tear it up. Now, put whatever you want to put as a, uh, as a derogatory or a pejorative at the end of them's people. Whoever you don't like, whoever you're prejudiced against, whoever you either figure it to live or literally know will destroy your asset. Them's people. And once you get into them's people attitude, then there's no need to fix anything. Why? Because them's people is defined as every tenant you ever have because tenants are bad people. Tenants in general, them's people, 
are bad. And once you have that attitude, you're done. It's over with. You'll never be able to make it in this business. So my theory was give them what is supposed to be in that neighborhood. The people that want to live in this neighborhood will live there for one of two reasons. They want to or they have to. They like the school district or they have to live close to where they work. One of the two. There's some reason they live there. So they're in your subdivision because they want to or they have to. Now, they're driving around, they're looking at houses. If everything else in there is subpar to your house, your house has first crack at them. Then you look at the price. Well, if the price is very high and they can't afford it, even though you have the nicest product, they may step down and take the next lower product just because they can afford it. But if yours is the best product and you have the best price in the neighborhood, there's no way that house won't lease in one day. I used to lease houses in one day. I'd put the sign in the yard with the rent on the sign. People call me, I want that house. They hadn't even seen it. You haven't seen it. I looked in the window. It's perfect. It's beautiful. I want it because the price was the best price in the neighborhood. And when they looked in the window, they could see it was perfect. And when they got there, it was a done deal. Never did I have somebody ever walk into one of my houses and say, I don't want to rent it. Now, I had many people walk in my house and say, I want to rent it. And I'd have to say to them, no, you can't rent it because you don't qualify, which is one of the strangest things in the world we'll talk about when we come back. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsey Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Stop waiting. Stop sitting around. Stop procrastinating. This is your time. Make it happen. Do it now. When's the best time? Now. People go, well, I don't know. It's going to crash. It's going to be better next year. It's, I've got to listen to four more classes. I love guys come up to me all the time. You know, I've been listening to you on the radio for eight years now, right? <laughs> I go, and you're not rich yet? Well, really, I'm thinking about joining next month. Do it now. Learn the skills you need to retire with real estate in five years or less. Do it now. Register for the Lifestyles Unlimited free online workshop, lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to Del Wamsey Radio Show. Today I'm discussing a long-time concept that I built a long time ago. That's why I call it a long-time-ago concept of the basic best product and best price theory. Now, when I invented this best product, best price theory, as I explained in the last segment, it had a caveat of clean and functional to it, which meant I was taking any property in whatever sub-market I was in, I was making it the best property in that sub-market, but I wasn't renovating it above the level of that sub-market. I wasn't trying to transform it into something that it wasn't. I was just trying to make it the best option of that particular price range. This worked very well for me. 
my stuff rented instantly. I literally, when I first started teaching the seminar, I tell people I could rent a house in a day or two. And if it was there more than a week, something was wrong. And it was. That was the way it worked. Now, you have to understand something. I came up with all this stuff, and it worked, and I made tons of money. And then I taught it to other people, and then other people came up with their own theories, their own derivatives of the theory. And one of the derivatives that came out of the professional management company theory, which was along the lines of big management companies running people's businesses that weren't really their own, it was really somebody else's, but they were just really in the business to try to up the value of the property more than actually get cash flow. Uh, or be productive with these things. They just had a different theory. And their theory was the value of the real estate goes up when the rents go up. So you have to drive the rents up. So they had a theory, which was best product, best price, but their best product, best price was completely different than mine. Theirs was we have the best product so we can charge the highest price. And their goal was to be the highest price in the neighborhood. My goal was to be the same best product, Right of that neighborhood, but be less than the highest price, to be a fair price in that marketplace, a price that anybody would say, nobody would say no to, boom, take it right away, so that I have no vacancy. I was working under the assumption of no vacancy and no turnover, because vacancy and turnover are the two expenses that destroy real estate profitability. But these people didn't care about vacancy or turnover. They cared about being able to talk to the buyer that they were selling to and saying, look, we've raised the rent on 10 or 12 units here out of 200, 300 units, and we're getting this premium of 10 or 15%. And if you continue to do that, then you're going to make this property worth a lot more. So we're going to sell it to you for more than what it's worth right now because of potential. Now, guys, I don't care what you say. I'll tell this to them to their face. That's a scam. But it's a scam that every broker out there does. Every real estate broker out there scams people into believing you should pay for future potential. There's no way you should pay for future potential. You should pay for, at worst case, what it's worth today based on real numbers. Or if there's a situation where there's something wrong with the property, you should get a discounted price to fix it. But they're not doing that. They're telling, taking you out there to properties have stuff wrong, saying if you fix the stuff that's wrong, they'll be worth more. So you should pay more than what it's really worth because there's so much upside. This scam is permeated even into my own members' conversation, and I'll look any member I have in the face and tell them this is a blatant, bold-faced lie. They say we need to leave meat on the bone for the next guy. What they're really saying is, I don't want to go through the total renovation. I don't want to turn the thing completely around and make it worth what it's really going to be worth and then sell it for that. What they want to do is sell a story. They want to turn a few units and turn around and find the next guy in line and burn them. And they do that. They even do it to their their friends. I've seen people burn their friends by selling products that weren't worth what they sold it to them for because they sold them the story, right? And so this is where most of you out there are getting hammered. You're buying stuff that's not worth what you're paying for it. You're buying a story. Sellers love to tell that story. But buyers are gullible if they're believing that story. But why are buyers believing the story? 
Because syndicators are not putting their own money into deals. They're getting paid to do deals. They're getting transaction money. They get paid to put the deal together. They get paid to own the deal. They get paid to manage the deal. They don't care if they pay too much for the property. It means nothing to them. And I don't care what, what, who they are, what they say, put them in front of me and I'll prove to you they don't care. They are all out there for themselves. Syndicators are out there to try to put together deals to make themselves money. Now, I get it. I even teach how to do it. But what I'm saying to you is that the marketplace has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because of that. Now, let's have a recession. Let's get those syndicators in a position where they can't go raise funds or where they're actually paying the right price for deals or even better, paying less than full price for deals. Now those syndicators are doing their investors a favor. Now they're doing them a good job. Before, they were just getting them into bad situations, bad investments, and making their fees, making money. Now, some of those people that did those terrible deals are going to eat them. If the recession occurs, if it continues to go like it's going, interest rates continue to go up, prices are going to go down. And I've already seen people, people that are smart people, really smart investors and uh, really smart syndicators that are waking up going, God, I thought I had the Midas touch. I thought everything I touched turned to gold, but I'm seeing them get their butt kicked. And then they're coming crying to me, oh, my gosh, you know, it could have turned. It's just because it could have, would have, would have, should have, would have, could have. And because of the COVID, the COVID and the government and the government and this and then that and all the laws of this, it's that, 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 that. No, it's because you paid too much for the property. If you hadn't paid too much for the property, I didn't pay too much for my properties. And when all that stuff went on, it didn't bother me at all. Yours, you did. If you've got problems because of COVID, you paid too much for that property. That's all there is to it. So when you take a look at these situations and you think about what should happen, what should happen is you should put together a product that is the right product for that submarket and then attract the best clientele to it, right? And then screen them. And if they don't qualify, don't rent to them. Are you with me? That's how real estate should be done. Now, if you get down in the lower clientele, so if you get down in the C minus D markets, then you realize the only people you have to at least to are C minus and D people. Now you have to have some different criteria. Of course, you can't afford to give them a class B or A property. You got to give them clean and functional. I had once had a property that was clean and functional in a class D neighborhood. And here's what it was concrete walls. Concrete floor, one stove. In fact, I wouldn't give them fridge. They had to bring their own fridge because they'd steal them. They had a stove, had a kitchen sink, and had a bathroom sink and a, and a tub. A couple bedrooms, linoleum floors, oil-based paint walls. So whatever they did to it, you could just wipe it off or spray it and clean it. That's it. There's nothing for them to break, nothing for them to steal. They wanted AC. They brought window ACs and put them in themselves, took them with them when they left, stole them from somebody else and put them in their unit. When they broke down, they just go steal another one from somebody else. I mean, it's just got to understand who you're dealing with. This is a completely different group of people. I call these people Purple Martians. Why do I call them Purple Martians? Because they're not from this world. 
Now, they really are, but they're not from the world I grew up in. They're not from the world of morals that I come from. So I call them purple marshes. I don't know where they came from. I go, where do these people come from? Who raised these people? How do they get this way, right? But I've done business with them. And when I've done business with them, I've had pretty good success because I just realized who and what they were and how they should be dealt with. Gave them the best product at the best price for that submarket, right? And that's how it works. Now, when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you about a completely different theory of business, which really ties in to this same concept of best product, best price, and how you really deal with the buyers out there in the marketplace. Because what I'm going to bring to you is an explanation of the marketplace that I found from some economist somewhere that I go, boy, that really sums it up in a very clear manner. This is basically the way it works. Remember now, I'm talking about best product and best price. This guy is more along the lines of what these, um, like I said, property management companies, big commercial real estate companies were looking at. And that was this concept of three different segments of buyers. The marketplace is really broken into three different segments of buyers. And by the way, in the real estate business, there used to be four. There used to be A class, B class, C class, and no class at all, which we call D. They don't have that anymore. They have A class, B class, and working class housing. In fact, I don't even think they have B anymore. They have just A and working class housing, which really there is a B. There's something in between class A and the working class housing, but they don't want to admit it. They just want to call it all working class housing now. What they're trying to do is consolidate us into being generic. In other words, there's no rich, middle class, and poor. There's just poor and rich. And uh, that's sad. They're killing the middle class. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. The model that we're talking about has three categories, three types of buyers. And the first type of buyer we're going to discuss is the early adopter, the person whose ego and or interest makes it mandatory that they have the most up-to-date and nicest stuff available on the market. So you think about this, whenever I hear the story, I I think back to something like cell phones. People wait in line for a day or two in front of the store to be the first person to get one. And there's other things like this, too. Most of it's electronics, but it's cutting-edge people that have to have the latest, greatest gadget that's out there. And they pay 30 to 40% more. I mean, you got a phone, and it's a phone. You pick it up, you call the phone. That, that's a phone. Now they have phones with cameras, and you got a camera. And, but now they have four cameras instead of one. All this technology, and I, I have a joke about it. I say engineers have designed, uh, have the concept that if it, if, it, if it doesn't need fixing, it needs upgrading. There needs to be something going on at all times. Otherwise, there would be no job for engineers. So they're constantly changing things so that there's something for them to do. Uh, But that's that early adopter mentality. And so in that world, that would be the Class A apartment complexes, or that would be, you know, your big, nice million-dollar homes, and people want the great, latest, greatest stuff, right? Then the next level is really the conservative buyer, right? 
that is saying, I'd like to have as much of that cutting-edge stuff as I can, but I realize, and this is where I'm at, but I realize that six months from now, the very stuff that's the latest and greatest is going to be standard. And that the price will come down 30 or 40%, and it will be generic, and that will be what everybody has. That will be the standard. And that's where I am. I'm buying the stuff. So if there's a if there's a version 12 or 14 right now, and I've got version 7, and I'm, you know, getting ready to go to 8 because they probably won't support 7 for a while after it anymore. You know, it just, I, I'm always at the bottom version, holding out, using it for everything it's worth. And then when I upgrade, I upgrade to wherever, you know, the next level that isn't the latest and greatest is at. The middle people like me, we buy conservatively, but we still want good stuff. So that'd be your class B clientele. That's your people that want to live in a nice place in a nice location. Don't want purple Martians living with them. Don't want their car stolen. Don't want their car ding. You know, want to be close to, to stores and businesses and good school districts and so forth, but don't want to pay 30 to 40% more to be in the latest, greatest stuff. And then there's your price conscious buyer. Bottom line is, if they can afford it, they'll buy it. But the bottom line is, if they can't afford it, they can't buy it, and they won't buy it. Now, most of those people buy almost everything on payment plans. How much down and how much a month is really the theory for that third classification of people because they never pay cash for things. Well, I can't say never on anything, but they very frequently pay cash for anything. They usually put it on payments, whether it's a credit card or a finance plan or whatever. Uh, one of the guys that's made billions here in town is called Mattress Mac. He really made his billions because he did financing. I mean, he was the first guy to finance anybody who walked through his door. No matter who you were, he had a finance plan for you. If you needed that kind of financing, he'd get you that kind of financing. But you weren't walking out of there without a couch and a table, kitchen table, and a bed. And if he had to finance it for you, that's what he would do. But he would get you taken care of. So it became the place, and he made billions of dollars doing it. That's your low end. That's our Class C D properties out there. Now, I would say the Class D is a Class C that's not doing business correctly. A Class C is everything you possibly need, clean and functional, at a price that those people can afford. That's the bottom line. That's what a Class C property is. And if you do that, you're going to keep it full, and you're going to make just as much money with a Class C as you do with a Class B as you do with a Class A. It's not about how much money you make in those things. It's which clientele you get to deal with. And many, many people just don't want to deal with Class C and below people. And or they just consider themselves arrogantly important. And that's why they want to do all Class A stuff. They're designers, they're builders. You know, I'm the creator. I'm making beautiful stuff. I'm an artist. I'm artiste. I'm this and that. And that's why they go for Class A. Frankly, I got into Class A because my wife didn't want to go to Class C anymore. Uh, if my wife hadn't been along, I'd probably still have some Class C and some Class B, but she didn't want to go there, so I got into Class A. And we'll stay in Class A simply because don't want to send my wife and the rest of our kids that are working for us down into the dungeons to work with the Purple Martians. That's the way it really comes about. So those are the three different types of businesses. I still believe in best product and best price. That's the way I run all my businesses. Clients are important and should be taken well care of. So 
you to get that, you've got something from today. Rest of you out there, remember this, there's recession coming. Better get in here and learn how to do it. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.